This is Felice Thomas, president of the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Cell. The Cell is also broadcasted every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 91.9 FM Community Radio. You can also stream us live every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. worldwide on 91.9 FM WGRN.org. So today we have with us Dr. Nicole Burnell. She's the director of the OSU Comprehensive Burn Center. Laura, that's okay. And she's the APRN uh, for their center. So what can you tell us about the OSU Comprehensive Burn Center? Here in the outpatient clinic, um, the Comprehensive Burn Center, we see all types of burns, adult patients. And I follow them up in clinic, whether if it's a small burn that doesn't need surgery, then they end up just coming to clinic and seeing me if they need surgery or larger burns and need more extensive wound care, then they're admitted to the hospital and then end up following up um, in clinic after that. And I've been there about two years. So I'm the director of the burn, like burn services. What we have, and we are lucky to have here at Ohio State, is a, um, we call a verified burn center. So it means we're certified by the American Burn Association and the American College of Surgeons. And in order to achieve that, we have met um, pretty strict standards and not only how we develop, deliver care, but it really means that we have this really great multidisciplinary team that is made up of our advanced practitioners like Laura, um, occupational therapists, physical therapists, psychologists, a nursing team, and we provide care at a level that is required to maintain this verification. Can you tell us what it means to be verified by the American Burn Association and who they are in the American College of Surgeons? Absolutely. So our national, the national organization, or I like to say ours as a burn specialist myself, um, is the American Burn Association. So it uh, has members that are throughout the United States and actually has some international members too. There's um, burn centers and burn care in Australia, across Europe, Switzerland, and in Japan that are members. And it's really our governing body or our national group. So as a group, we try to set, we consider the standards for quality of care. And if the burn centers want to be recognized as meeting those special standards, we go through a verification process. So every three years, they come and do a very extensive kind of visit to the burn center, look through all of our, look through um, patient charts and um, meet all the team members and interview them. And it's a it's a large report we put together for them, but it's it's maintained so that you know that you're going to get the same standard of care if you come to this verified burn center or you go to the one at the University of Iowa or you go to the one at the University of Michigan so that we can maintain quality care that's equal across the United States. So when you talk about the quality of care, there are different levels of trauma centers and burn centers, aren't there? There are different levels for trauma centers for burn centers, you're just either verified or not. So can you tell, explain to our audience what the, the levels are? Because aren't there five levels altogether? There's three levels for trauma centers. And okay. so, yeah, like a level in what, and again, they go through a verification process also, and that's usually through for trauma. There's goes through the American College of Surgeons Committee on Trauma. 
And so a level one is your highest level. And that means some of the very specific things is that you have 24-7 a neurosurgeon, a vascular surgeon, um, interventional radiology. So you have these things that are available that no matter what kind of trauma happens when a person comes in, they're immediately available. When I'm on call, I sleep at the hospital. And so it provides a certain level of care. And so for each of those levels defined. Not being a verifier for trauma, I don't know all of them, but for like a level two, I know an example would be they don't have to have a neurosurgeon in-house, but on call. So they have to come in. So there's going to be a gap in time. So we know for like major brain trauma, you have to go to a level one. Or if you get a penetrating wound, like a gunshot wound or something that you could immediately um, need vascular or an immediate surgery. You want to be at an institution that has all those services available right away, which is your level one trauma. So you said you sleep at the hospital. How often do you have to do that? Or is it like a rotating shift? <laughs> yeah, it's, I think I for them because we have a group. Yeah, we have to. I still have to sleep at the hospital in my like little dorm room that we have here. So I do that four times a month. And then I do home call because we also cover uh, Ohio State's East. And that one is a level three trauma center. And so that one we can be at home and then we call in. So it gives us, you don't have to be there as much. But yeah, we, we that's our dedication to when you decide to be a burn and trauma surgeon, you, you have to accept you're going to be doing a couple nights where you sleep at the hospital. <laughs> well, I did not realize that. That's almost like being a firefighter sleeping yeah. at the station on a regular basis. <laughs> Except that they have, like, a whole team that gets to be there with them. It's like me and my residents, but it's not as (laughs) (laughs) So, Beth, what do you do at the center? So, I work in the outpatient clinic. Yes, Laura, I work in the outpatient clinic, and I'm a nurse practitioner there. And I see patients for their follow-up appointments, um, smaller burns that weren't admitted to the hospital. And we're multidisciplinary out there, too, where we have – occupational therapists, physical therapists in the clinic, um, rehab psychologists in the clinic, and kind of meet all the patient's needs. And I get to spend a day at, we spend Monday together, and that's when I have yes. my reconstructive <laughs> clinic. So, yeah, we get to hang out on Mondays. So like when we have our reconstructive clinic, so patients that were burned over a year ago and have scarring and want help with the scarring either just from itching or the appearance or um, like decreased mobility. Laura, what are other things that they come to the clinic for, for my reconstructive clinic? No, like nerve pain, um, chronic wounds that open within the scarring. So we take care of um, them from the time of the initial injury, like whenever the burn happens or and then until they get healed, and then we have that, like, long-term follow-up to help with scarring, too. So what made you decide to go into this field? You want me to go first on this one, Laura? <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, since this is basically what I do is for a reconstructive. When you go into surgical residency or training, you have about five years to decide what you're going to do and go into a subspecialty. I think it took me a long time to decide, but when I was doing my research down in Cincinnati, I got to work at the Shriner Center when it was still there. And it just, when I tried to decide what kind of surgeon I wanted to be, what 
burn, what really being a burn surgeon meant is that I get to have this amazing relationship with my patients. I get to take care of them from like the time of their injury and help them through a process and get them back to being work or with their families. I also love taking care of children. So I also work at Nationwide Center and I do pediatric burns too. And so it gave me a chance to really be a physician that takes care of babies to, I think my oldest patient was 105. So I got to be like this true general surgeon that takes care of the whole patient. And with how surgeries turned into very subspecialized practices, you just don't have very many areas that still allow you to do that. Right, Laura? So I went into this. I have done wound care in the past. For about 10 years, I did chronic wounds, more like pressure ulcers and that kind of thing. And I've always liked wounds because it's one uh, area that you could actually see the change. So when you, you know, change a treatment or start a different medication or order them something that they need, you know, you can actually see the difference visually. And then when this position came open for the burn clinic, I thought, oh, this is, this would be interesting. It's wounds, but a little bit different because they're more acute. And I really enjoy it. Kind of the same thing. You get to see people, you know, their first clinic appointment, they might be in pain, they might be crying, they're stressed. And sometimes it's like a week or two weeks later, they come back and they're like a different person because the burn is healed or it's almost healed and they are feeling great and they're ready to go back to work. And it's just, it's really fun to like see people go from, you know, having maybe something terrible and devastating happen to them and watch that progression from the beginning to like when they're healed and get back to life. I'm going to say that's the first time I've ever heard anybody say that seeing a wound allowed them to see the progression of it. Like I've not heard yes. that aspect of <laughs> a wound care before. <laughs> It's, it's what you explained it. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a yes. process, and we, we're here to kind of get people through that process. But, yes, we do a lot of waiting and watching and hoping the body does those and helping the body do its natural processes. <laughs> <laughs> so given variations that you see, what's the difference between, well, I guess, what should our audience know about burns in and of themselves, what they should do, what they shouldn't do. thing not to do is don't put ice on it. First thing we head for. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so what happens with ice and why people want to do that is that it makes all the blood flow to the burns decrease and you need that blood flow to heal. So the first thing it does is it, it kind of starves the the wound, the blood flow, so it can actually make the burn worse. And the other thing that happens is you stop the blood flow. So then it gets numb, but the minute you take it out, all the blood rushes to it, so it, like, makes the pain twice as bad. What can they do? Be careful looking on... Google, or not Google, but looking on different websites, make sure that they, when you do look for advice, that there are, um, you know, websites that have a good reputation, because we see all kinds of interesting things. <laughs> as, a, yes. as a professor, I can I can understand that. So, like, any <laughs> any hospital website, WebMD, would that qualify? Those would be really good ones to check, yeah. And there, so I would say, I can tell you the things not to do that are very common that we See, like, don't put egg whites, don't put butter. My mom put butter on my burns when I was a kid. You know, no butter, <laughs> no egg whites, no toothpaste, no mustard. <laughs> like, all of that. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like we're making this. But you're right. Butter, <laughs> butter is a common one. 
Ice is a common one. Milk was another one. What about aloe? So aloe will work. It is good. But what the key to burns is, is you want to keep them clean and you need to keep them covered in moist. And so any kind of antibiotic ointment that's out there, single, double, you know, antibiotic ointment. We use a lot of bacitracin, which is just a generic single antibiotic ointment. Aloe is great, believe it or not. It's a natural antimicrobial, but the key is, is you still have to then cover it. So you're using that gel and putting that on there, and it'll help use the burn because it's thick, just like kind of the bacitracin, um, but you then still have to put a covering on it. The worst thing I think that can happen to a burn is we let it dry out and scab over. And I know it goes against our nature because everyone thinks that letting things air out is good and all that, but it does slow down those new, what we call, we're going to keep calling it our process, right? Our process of healing like that, what I call the new baby skin cells growing over that wound. That makes sense. All right. I guess another question that I have is even if you're scalded, is that the same as a burn or is that entirely different? Or are there levels to that too? Yeah, so that's like just one type of burn, scald, and it could be anything from, you know, hot water to cooking um, oil, uh, flame burns, um, which is pretty self-explanatory, any kind of fire, throwing gasoline on a fire, gunpowder, that kind of thing, contact burns where you touch something that's hot, electrical burns, uh, there's chemical burns, flash flame, and then we also see frostbite injuries is kind of in the in the burn realm of the thing, even though it's kind of opposite is what people would think. And then friction burns, which would be like road rash, um, maybe a friction burn from a treadmill, that kind of thing. So yeah, the burn like is just kind of a generic term, and then we look at like kind of what causes it. So anything that applies a temperature or even just like she's like chemical burns are really like a caustic agent that injures the skin and you lose that top layer of skin or what we like to call the epidermis. And then it comes down to the depth. Like the simplest ones are things that are called like thermal burns. So those are like your contact, your scald, your flash flame. Know that how bad the burn is is always going to be related to the temperature, the time of exposure, and how thick or thin that skin is on the area you got burned. And then how deep it is based on those factors is what we call like first, second, and third degree burns. And I was told once that this makes, it sounds the opposite of what it should be. So how I try to explain it in first is what we call superficial. So it's like a really bad sunburn. They hurt a lot because all the nerve endings are intact. And so they're, they're the least severe of the burns, but I think sometimes are probably the most painful. The partial thickness or second degree is that second layer of the skin. So you've already got a blister, and and that shows that you've had that separation. And then it can go into that deeper layer after that. So these still are painful, but when we look at it, they form a blister, so they have fluid, and they're moist, and they look pink. And then third degree are the worst kinds where it's burned through the whole skin skin layers. And those are the... Ones that when you really look at it, they're white, or they kind of look like sometimes white leather is a way to describe it. You don't have any sensation in it because it injures the nerves or, you know, in the skin. These are the ones that I typically have to do do a surgery for. We just needed to take a quick identification break. This is Stephanie Thomas with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Sale on 91.9 WGRN and WGRN.org. 
worldwide. But you can listen to The Cell every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to the show. Where did you go to school to do your rotation? If I counted it out, 10 years of training after medical school. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, so I did medical school at Case Western Reserve in Cleveland, Ohio. And after medical school, if you want to be a surgeon, you go to, um, you go into residency and surgery is five years of residency. I took two years off to do uh, a fellowship in research. And that's when I was down in Cincinnati and I was doing that in pediatric surgery because I actually thought I was going to be a baby doctor surgeon, but then fell in in love with something else. So I still get to take care of my kids, but the kid patients, but I do it a little different now. Then I did an adult in pediatric fellowship for critical care where I really learned how to take care of really sick people and how to um, deal with them like when they're in the intensive care unit and I did that in Wisconsin. Then I did a burn and a reconstructive fellowship in Iowa. (laughs) It's been a journey. I think what's really interesting is um, and I think one of the fields that's out there that's really great and, and especially with burns is we really really depend on our advanced practitioners. So Laura how do you get to be an advanced practitioner? I think (laughs) <laughs> not that much, training, but I did do, <laughs> I got my bachelor's degree in nursing at Youngstown State University. Yeah, um, from Kent State University. And then um, you oh, take wow. an exam to become a nurse practitioner after that to become certified. And so we're both YSU alums. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> no penguins. <laughs> oh, the penguins. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, we're teen boys. are very intimidating. <laughs> we are. <laughs> so you guys, honestly, you see a lot of trauma, and I like the vibe that you guys have. Um, you sound very pleasant, which has to be nice for your patients going through what they're going through. But how do you, like, recover from what you see and what you do? So, like, how do you find your happy place? Where's your happy place? I actually enjoy, like, everyone that I work with. So, to me, it's not, you know, kind of a negative place to be. I actually enjoy everyone. They're very nice. Everyone's very friendly. And then in my off time, I spend time with my son. I have a five-year-old that we do, you know, go to playgrounds and all kinds of things. I also love to read. That is my, probably my favorite pastime. And spend time with my family. I, um... You spend a lot, when you are a surgeon and a physician, I think different types of doctors spend, are required to do different amounts of time at the hospital. As a surgeon, you're going to spend a, you know, anywhere from 60 to 100 hours a week on your, what I call when I'm on service. So I have some weeks when I'm running the burn unit, doing the, you know, administrative stuff, and then I have the weeks where I'm just taking care of patients for a week straight. You have to love what you do, and you or you will get burned out in a heartbeat. So you have to love this. And I think, in addition, you do have to find balance in however that is. I am I am lucky enough at this point to have a family too that I come home to. But it's you know I work very hard to make sure that I'm setting that time for them to spend with them. Like we and we just like to go out and do fun things. So we like to do hiking. Um, I love Ohio in the summer with all 
the art fairs and outdoor concerts and, and things like that. So I do, I try to disconnect as much as I can. I'm always available by text and stuff to my team, but I think it's mm-hmm. the most important things to do. But you do accept if you go into this field that you're going to spend that time. And I have a very wonderful, very understanding husband that knew that when we were starting our relationship, that I do have to have a good portion of my life dedicated to my patients in the hospital. What can we tell students who might be thinking about going into the field of becoming a, a trauma surgeon, a burn trauma surgeon, or a APRN? You know, find someone that's willing to take you on for like, you know, a couple days and see if it's really what you like. Um, Being a nurse, there's so many specialties. Like I'm an adult nurse practitioner. There's many places I could work. I don't have to, you know, work in burns or in a doctor's office. So kind of mix it up and kind of research it and look at what you like and realize that you're not pigeonholed into just one area as a nurse or a nurse practitioner. There's many areas you can work and definitely shadow to make sure it's something that you actually want to do. Yeah, I think it's important to shadow, probably, it's been over 15, how many years? Uh, we're going to say over 15. We're just going to leave it at that for me <laughs> since I was applying <laughs> for medical school. And um, so a lot changed. Like, I kind of joke that I may not even get into medical school these days because, I mean, the students are just amazing. But as you start to see, show an interest in either being a surgeon or being a physician, trying to get that connection, whether you're volunteering. So I worked at like a nursing home as a nurse's mm-hmm. aide and, and, did, and there's also volunteering. A lot of times at a hospital, if you're in Columbus, at Ohio State, there's going to be a lot of volunteering opportunities. If you're a college student, look for different programs that allow you to really explore like internships or different research that allows you to explore the field. It is vast and there's a lot of things. There's a lot of different types of surgeons you can be. Why I think trauma, why I always put forth for like the trauma burn or what we call acute care surgery is, yes, there are four nights a week that I have to spend at the hospital, but I also have, you know, 27 or 26 other nights where I I'm not on call. And then I'm not working as opposed to some of my friends that are surgeons where they work every week. I do I do almost like a week shift and then I get a shift a week off to kind of focus and, and do this. I feel like it does it's a little more uh, conducive to having a family or having having a life, I guess. <laughs> and and <laughs> when I'm not on, my partner completely covers the service. So I don't have anybody calling me saying they're you know, that they're that's all covered. So I can really focus on my research and like, really the running of the burn unit and building up this fantastic place that we work at. Can you tell our listeners, wait, before I even go into that, Felice, are you here? I'm here, honey. I've just been listening to (laughs) y'all. You then, girl. I told you to to take over, girl, and you just been flying like a little bird. (laughs) I said, I'm going to sit here and be, I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you. And you just don't I know how, how you then graduated to hosting some of these radio shows. <laughs> that, 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 that means more work for me. That, yeah. yeah, that's what that sounded like. Uh, I'm like, oh, my goodness, she's doing fantastic. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I think it's going to be easy for now on. Tish, I got a show for you, baby girl. <laughs> she's very easy to talk to. I even get nervous, yeah. so it's it's so 
natural. So yeah, you can depend on her. <laughs> when either one of you, there had to be a particular point in life making this decision that you ran across a particular patient that you decided to go into the burn unit. You know, I think as Laura was saying, when like go out and shadow and do, I think you don't really know what you're getting into. <laughs> Sometimes, like I knew I wanted to be a surgeon. Like when you look at the types of different doctors and professors, I'm somebody that I like to to fix things, right? So I said a lot easier for me to kind of go in, do this surgery, and I just, I had that really, it's a tangible sense of accomplishment. I think I knew for sure that Burns was for me when, um, I am allowed to talk about this because we're very good friends now, but maybe... A couple months after I was on my own, no longer a baby doctor, but practicing uh, independently in a new burn unit. And my partner was out of town. I was in like another country. So I was like on my own and there was a plane crash with like one sole survivor. And he, he didn't wake up for three, four weeks. I got to know the, his whole family and we got him through the whole thing and we're still friends. They threw my baby shower for me, for my first son. We ended up finding out we lived, like, you know, not that far from each other, like, in the neighboring, like, kind of cities. And I just, I remember taking his wife and his kids, like, through everything. I still... Uh, that we are now like on a um, board together for uh, this trauma intervention program. So like that is just not something I felt like I could really do if I didn't have this ability to really connect with my patients and get them like it's a journey. It really is. And um, that really solidified that this is what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. I think the only other thing that our listeners need to know is where can they go to find out more information about the burn unit program? If you go onto the OSU website, we have information on prevention. I think what I would say is, and this is probably what drives my family like the craziest, I would bubble wrap them all if I could because I've seen every trauma and I just don't want it to, I want to try to prevent everything. (laughs) But most can really be are are potentially preventable, right? If I do my job and Laura does her job with our, if we do our jobs right with outreach and teaching and safety, we'll put ourselves out of it. That's our goal. But like learning, trying to make sure you're doing safe cooking, not using gasoline. I'm trying to think of the example of Laura is not putting gas, using gasoline for burning brush and starting your campfires. If you do have a cooking fire, not trying to pick up that pan and put it outside. So thinking about some of those things ahead of time. And granted, like I said, I drive my family crazy. So we do have, with all the different types, you can click on them and see the different types of wounds. We're trying to really build up um, and start to come up with some TikTok videos um, that show different parts of the wound care. Laura, when I brought her onto the team, Gosh, Laura, has it been two years now? Yeah, just over two. Yeah. I mean, when I brought her onto the team, I said, here, I've got to run the main hospital. I need someone that can really own and take over this clinic. And she is, except for Mondays when we get to chill and hang out, like, that's her clinic. Like, for small burns, things like that, you can call 293 Burns. Um, and you will get to Laura in the clinic, and we're able to get you really well connected and taken care.
care of. The other advantages are is we have with the area local emergency departments, we also have a teleburn program where they have um, different robots that we can bring into the patient's room, take pictures. They they send them to us through the system so we can actually help treat those burns that way. The internet is vast and has a lot of stuff out there. But when it comes to a really serious burn or a burn on your hands, your face, or with any of those special circumstances like the chemicals, you know, anything more than a scald, I, we welcome you to come. Let us really help you because there are some definite risky things that can happen if we don't get you healed up and treated quickly. Places you give for, um, like, patient education and stuff like that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Definitely um, the taking your oxygen off before you smoke. I guess, is there anything that either one of you want to say before we get ready to, um, you know, wrap up the show that you would like to share with our audience? I would just echo like what Dr. B said. Basically, you know, if you get a burn injury, we don't need a, you don't need a referral to come to the burn clinic. You can just call the 293 burn number um, and we can get you an appointment. If it's something that you're concerned about, even if it's not a, a major burn, it doesn't mean that you can't be seen. You know, I don't mind seeing people and going into the room and having them just say like, well, there's nothing there. It's healed. Everything looks good. That it, you know, that's fine. If it gives people peace of mind, by all means, give us a call. If it's something more major, then obviously, you know, we have access access to the surgeons and the hospital and anything that you would need um, if surgery were to be needed. So where's your burn unit located at? The burn unit itself is at the main hospital, um, on main campus of Ohio State, and then the clinic is right on main campus as well, um, kind of catty corner to the James Hospital at McCampbell Hall. When they no, can come directly no, you to you. get a burn and you go to like a local urgent care or emergency room, um, we do have the teleburn option that Dr. B was speaking of and where they will contact the burn surgeon that's on if they're questioning like, hey, does this person need transferred or admitted to the hospital or can they just follow up in the burn clinic? Um, the burn surgeon that is on will help them make that decision and kind of determine the next steps for the patient and give recommendations. Otherwise, if you just kind of get burned at home and you're like, uh-oh, maybe I should have this looked at, you can just call the burn clinic and schedule an appointment. Yeah, I think the ED is always there. And as we have somebody on call 24-7 that is mm-hmm. able to help you. But I think the advantage to... Well, we've all had to wait in an ED, but the advantage to the clinic is you're really getting the specialized providers from the beginning, um, our nurses that in our clinic, that that's all they do is take care of burns and wounds and um, trauma patients. So as opposed to the emergency department where the nurses know how to take care of everything, you're really getting that specialized, like individualized attention, um, which I think is good. If it's any of our, we have these connected centers um, through our stroke network. That's how we're able to get the pictures. I I think as technology gets better uh, and better in the future, we're, you know, I hope to get to a point where one day, that's like one of my big dreams, a patient can just send a picture. We're not quite there yet. Um, You can do it once you're in our system. Because uh, we, I do have patients that travel. We have patients that travel sometimes from two hours away. So Laura and I try to do mm-hmm. like um, the teleburn or try to do video visits and try to accommodate. So not everybody has to drive down here. But that first visit, unfortunately, you gotta you gotta deal with our smiling faces. I like to thank the both of you for you know being on the show with us today. I like to thank my co-host Tish. This is Felice. Peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. 
You can also listen to The Cell every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. on 91.9 FM. You can also stream us live on 91.9 FM, WGRN.org at 7.30 p.m. To learn more about the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our Facebook page. You can also visit us on Twitter at Faith Thomas FDN.